It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That crazy starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many fruits not afraid. I have a machine, listen to yourself, the world, but it don't need something to your own head. Beat it up and I've seen got no sheets. The ladder from the platter with the fear fight down. Like fire in a fire, Mr. Sister Southern Gang, the government for hiring the combat site. But you wasn't coming in a hurry, you could do it down your neck. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. This is the hour of doom. I'm not kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also the hour of bloom. And she's not kidding. Well, so we have a dilemma here. Hey, friends and neighbors, welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour, a powerful paragon of politeness in a polluted world. Oh, boy. I'm Joe Halton, MD, also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net, where you'll find exactly, exactly. 850 post videos and podcasts. Actually, 851. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's just I as just, of put, t- just put something up. Yeah, two seconds ago. Oh, you messed yourself up. I know. I'm medical preparedness for any disaster, and you are? Who are you? I am Amy Alton. I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. And the hostess with the mostess, no doubt. Our mission is to put a medically prepared person in every family for any disaster. Together, we are the watchers on the wall. And we watch it all for you to help you keep it together, even if everything else falls apart. Friends and neighbors, (laughs) have you been injured in an accident? With a belligerent, with a belligerent bullfrog, <laughs> our attorney says, don't call me, call Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, and listen to this. All information given and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. No contract or provider-patient relationship exists or is implied between the hosts and listeners. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Of course, in normal times, seek modern and standard medical care. You'd be crazy not to take advantage of the miracles. I say the miracles of modern medicine. But you should learn. But but just as a side note, we do know people who would not be alive today. If it weren't for modern medicine. That's true. That is indeed very true. Many, many, many And I'll bet some of you out there know people too. But you know what? You still should learn how to deal with injuries and illness in times of trouble. If help's not on the way, mark my words. If you do, you'll be very glad that you did. So what's the news, baby blues? You know, we (laughs) learned from you as much as you do from us. So connect with us. It's easy. And here's the boss to tell you how. Absolutely. Please 
feel free to email us. We don't bite. <laughs> we say nice things, and we're happy to listen. At this age, we just sort of gum you. <laughs> I still have all my teeth, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> Knock on wood. Wait, where's some wood? Oh, here's your head. I still have one or two of my you can contact us by email at drbonespodcast at aol.com. Find us on Facebook at our group, Survival Medicine, Dr. Bones, and Nurse Amy. We have a couple of Facebook pages. There's Doom and Bloom Facebook page, and there's also Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's show. Um, personal page for Facebook is Joe Alton, MD. Let's see. Facebook. Oh, no. I did Facebook. Twitter. Ah. Getting socially confused here. Yes, I know. There's a lot, a lot. <laughs> Twitter at Prepper Show, and our YouTube channel at Dr. Bones Nurse Amy. We have another podcast which is all about current events. Beware, <laughs> we speak opinions. <laughs> it's American Survival Radio, and we have a video cast at AroundTheCabin.com. And don't forget our brand new spanking. Our brand spanking new, I guess. Brand spanking new. <laughs> Third edition of the Survival Medicine Handbook, now available on Amazon. I see a lot of you are still buying the second edition. There's a third edition. It's 120 more pages. It's, okay. it's got more topics, all sorts of stuff that will help you succeed, even if everything else fails. Uh, we also have a book on Zika virus, a very timely topic. Both of these subjects, survival medicine and Zika, you might benefit knowing a little about. So why don't you tell us what? where we're going to be in the near future. Oh, where are we going to be? I thought you were going to say some rhyme. Where's my... Oh, I know we're going to be in Lawrenceville, oh, Georgia. No, I, got it. I got it, I got it, I got it. Okay, let's see. August, here we go. Um, we're going to be... We had a little schedule change. We were going to go to that ultimate outdoor show in Kentucky. And turns out the silly people who were <laughs> scheduling it thought... It was the weekend of the 19th of August, and it turned out to be the weekend of the 27th. But we already have a show that weekend, so can't go there this year. Next year. Next year we'll go, because it sounds really fun. But we will be in Lawrenceville, Georgia, at the RK Prepper Show. And that is Saturday and Sunday at 1 o'clock. You're going to be speaking okay. on Saturday. Sounds good. Free lecture, of course. Yay. And the suture class will be 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning. We do that because a lot of times we're alone, and it's just you and I, and we got to cover up all of our stuff. That's right. That's <laughs> and it's right. a three-hour class. So, And usually it's not too busy first thing in the morning. So anyway, if you want to sign up, go to doomandbloom.net, click on Classes, and scroll down, and there is all the information you need. And if you want to sign up, there's a PayPal button. Feel free to do that. And you, in September, I was going to say, actually, I was going to tell people you're going to be on a, the Coast to Coast show. Yes, we're going to be on the world-famous Coast to Coast um, <laughs> uh, radio show with George Nuri, and that's going to be on August 21st. 21st. 3 a.m. to 3 5 a.m. to 5 a.m. Eastern oh, time. Oh, man. What a night that'll be, but we're going to have <laughs> a lot of fun. Two hours. So feel free. To, Wowsy wow wow. Yep. I also want to just say that we have been on oh. a number of media, be it due to the Zika virus handbook that we have, and you also have, you, I don't know mass how you shootings have a, and all the other terrible things that have been happening. I don't know how you have a voice left. 
to oh. be honest. I mean, there were days when you had them lined up every 30 minutes. <laughs> As a, yeah, there's true. another one. Okay, here's another one. Here's another Okay. All right, honey, don't move off the computer because you got another one coming up. Are they calling me? Am I calling them? Yeah, it's amazing. We, uh, I was on Kennedy Show on Fox Business News, uh, HLN, uh, which is a sister station to CNN. CNN right. Uh, and uh, Canadian TV, CTV. Three and C- of those. CBC, three right? Show, three yeah, Canadian lot, shows that day. Yeah, so. Uh, which makes sense because they have a large number of of people from Canada that have been coming to Miami area and travel down to South America for many, 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 many years. Big Canadian population down here. Yeah. All right. Oh, let me say uh, one more thing. Where else we go? Yes. Uh, Let's see. We'll be at the self-reliance expo. That is actually in Florida. Yay. Florida show. Again, I'm so excited. In the same location, Deland, or excuse me, that was Lakeland. 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 I don't know why I yeah, wrote Lakeland, Delane. Lakeland, Florida. And I think it's like the Lakeland Convention Center, uh-huh. which I believe is the same exact place that all three of the other well, they'll find it on Lakeland shows. Survive, um, Self-Reliance Expo, again, that show is also on the classes page. We had to do the suture class on Friday because they do their shows Fridays and Saturdays. So that is a two to five Suit your class and on Friday week, afternoon. And the following week, we're going to be in St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis. That's yeah. Right. That's at, a gateway show. At the Gateway Expo. All right. We'll talk about more of that as they get closer. Uh, uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit about pain. Ow. Pain, pain, pain. <laughs> get it? You know, I'm old and cranky. Hey, and I said a joke. You you, you are so funny. You said pain, and I said Ow. <laughs> <laughs> You're so focused. You, I am focused. <laughs> focus. I need need focus factor. Yeah, I know. Every must, time we see that, that's hilarious. Free. Must be good. Must be All good. Right. Anyhow, <laughs> since I'm getting old and cranky, although I, I haven't like had to, any coffee. I like, to call, I like to call it charming. It's 3.15 in the afternoon, and I've had no coffee. How did this happen? I know. What's happening, what's happening with you? You're losing it. Do you have a moment to talk? Because I can let you talk. I'll go get yeah, some Yeah, go get coffee. some coffee. Would you like to have some? Go get some coffee. Do you want some? Uh, yeah, I'll have a little. Okay. All right. I'll be right okay. back while he's yakking. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyhow, let's talk a little bit about survival medicine here. You know, I complain about my aches and pains and all that just like anybody else who's reached a very advanced age. And it stands to reason, really, that my minor issues with discomfort, at least at present, they're going to be multiplied if something happened, if you know what hits a fan, by increased workload demands that go along with being off the grid. You know, Try picking up a five-gallon bucket of water from your nearest water source, natural water source, and take that to your home, and do it again a few times, and then you'll get an idea of what I'm talking about. Any person who hasn't considered providing for pain issues in times of trouble is just plain old, not medically prepared. Therefore, it's a good idea to have a working knowledge of the actions and uses of various pain types and pain medications. So we're going to talk about that today, plus some natural methods as well. Uh, I have to say that pain, it's just very variable, variable from person to person, it can be sharp, it can be dull, throbbing, numbing. It could be major, it could be minor. It could be a sign of something serious. It might not be a sign of something serious. You just don't know. It, it, there are a lot of things that improve it, a lot of things that worsen it. And the same injury in two different people may elicit different types of pain. Pain relief 
is called analgesia. Analgesia, that's the, the medical ease for pain relief. Now, if we characterize pain by the kind of damage that causes it, we can group it into two, maybe three categories. Pain is most commonly caused by tissue damage, and that kind of pain is called nociceptive pain, N-O-C-I-C-E-P-T-I-V-E, pain. Look it up. The damage may be due to trauma or may be due to disease such as tissue destruction that occurs from cancer, let's say. Even certain medical treatments such as radiation can cause tissue damage that can lead to this kind of pain, nociceptive pain. Now, this kind of pain is often described as sharp, stabbing, achy, worsens with movement. Uh, somebody tells you it only hurts when they laugh, they have no susceptive pain. All right, honey, here's your coffee. Oh, thank you, darling. There you go. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. Oh, yeah. And I'll keep this Oh, one. yeah. Cup Take of Joe. Take a sip. Cup of Joe. <laughs> All right, well, another category is pain caused by nerve damage. That's called neuropathic pain, N-E-U-R-O-P-A-T-H-I-C, pain. Nerves transmit pain signals from the damaged area to the brain. If the nerve is damaged, the sensation you feel could be very different, though, from what you would expect. You might feel burning where nothing's on fire, for example. You might feel pain in a, in a limb that is, has been amputated. Now, I mean, this pain is more likely to be a chronic pain than pain from tissue damage. And besides burning, of course, they can feel different pins and needles, prickling sensations, similar to an electric shock, that's neurogenic pain. Now, some people feel that pain can be psychogenic or all in the mind. Mm. Now, fear, depression, anxiety, other emotions may certainly play a part in somebody's pain, but there usually is some physical origin. If you're going to be the medic, never dismiss a group member's complaint without fully evaluating them by physical exam. That is your job. So let's talk about pain medicines. Let's talk about the kind that you can actually store. Of course, the most common ones are non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, also known as NSAIDs, N-S-A-I-D-S. These drugs act on agents that cause inflammation and fever, as well as pain, actually. The most popular NSAIDs are ibuprofen, Advil, otherwise, otherwise known as, and aspirin, uh, naproxen, or Aleve is the other NSAID available without a prescription. Now, for quick relief from pain, the shorter-acting ibuprofen or aspirin, that's superior to naproxen. Naproxen may not have an effect until you've taken a couple of doses, but you know what? It actually works better for long-term relief, or at least it works very well for it. These drugs are especially useful in injuries that are associated with swelling or other signs of inflammation, let's say joint pain, things like that. Now, there are various prescription versions of NSAIDs on the market too, such as Meclomin, Ponstil, Toradol, a lot of different other ones. Are they better than the non-prescription versions? Well, the pharmaceutical companies will tell you that they are. However, there's actually not a lot of proven evidence that these much more expensive medicines are much more effective. Now, your experience might vary, and there may be a particular medicine that you do better on than others. Remember, I said that all of this stuff is very individual. Now, the thing you need to know about NSAIDs is they are associated with bleeding from the stomach, especially if you use them long-term. So be very careful with regards to using them. Now, acetaminophen is another drug that everybody knows about. That's Tylenol. And this drug relieves pain by changing the body's sensitivities to things that cause pain. It's pain threshold, I guess, is the way you would call it. And it also, by the way, lowers, lowers fever as well. This drug is often as effective as NSAIDs uh, for pain. It has fewer side effects unless you happen to have liver disease. Don't take it if you do. 
The problem with acetaminophen is that it has no anti-inflammatory action, so it's probably not as good as ibuprofen for a lot of these injuries that will cause nociceptive pain, as we mentioned before. So if you have sprains and strains, well, you know, you might feel better with something like Aleve or something like Advil. But the thing is, is if you just have a fever, then you might consider using Tylenol and save the Advil and uh, other products that are NSAIDs for situations where there's a lot of inflammation. That is a great idea, honey. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate it. So I want you to have a ton of this stuff in your medical storage. You should be definitely keeping bottles and bottles of both of those items, both NSAIDs and uh, acetaminophen in your medical storage. Very important for the medic. Now, steroids, that's something else that people use. Corticosteroids exert their effect on pain by a very strong anti-inflammatory reaction. Of course, the most common steroids used for inflammation are the prescription versions, prednisone, cortisone. They can be taken orally. Sometimes they are injected directly into damaged or inflamed joints. If you have some of this stuff, maybe left over from a, a previous injury or a previous prescription, make sure that you keep it around. It may be very useful, especially for a number of things, like even skin inflammation can be certainly helped with prednisone or cortisone. Muscle relaxants are another type of drug that would be very, very useful. A common one is called Flexeril in the United States, Flexeril, and that relaxes the tense muscles that you might have if you've had an injury to an area. And so this is especially helpful for things like back strains, other injuries that cause muscle spasms. You know you're going to be doing a lot of stuff in a survival setting that you are not accustomed to. You're likely going to strain your back or do other things to yourself that might need help and muscle relaxants would be helpful. Unfortunately, these are also prescription drugs and not easy to stockpile. You should always ask, your, but usually not enough to deal with a truly severe injury. For that, you might need opioids. Things like narcotics are used for pain in severe cases. They act by modifying pain signal transmission in the brain. If you've had surgery, you've likely had, had some of these medications, Vicodin or Demerol, things like that. And they are awesome. If you have a lot of pain, they will help get rid of your pain. The problem is these are highly controlled substance, very dangerous. They have a major, major potential for addiction. So this is something that you cannot just get very easily. There is a medicine that does have a pretty significant effect on pain called tramadol. It is less addictive and is on a lower schedule. The strength of medicines and the potential for addiction determine what schedule, quote-unquote, that a drug is listed at in, in the United States. And that is something that you might consider getting a prescription for is something like tramadol. Of course, I'm saying this as a doctor, and it would be easy for me to write a prescription for medicines like this, although I don't because I know that I'd be watched like a hawk by the uh, DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration. But the truth of the matter is, is that you probably aren't going to be able to get any significant supply of these medicines. And so you're going to have to think of natural types of medicines that might be helpful. Now, there are medicines that 
are not strictly pain medicines, but might actually be helpful for pain. Some anti-anxiety medicines like Xanax, uh, antidepressant medicines like Prozac may have an effect on pain by relieving whatever psychogenic factors that might relate to the pain. And this allows a patient to better deal, using these medicines allows a patient to better deal with their issues. They work by adjusting the level of several in the brain. Now for neuropathic pain, some anticonvulsant drugs, anti-seizure medicine like Tegretol that they use for epilepsy, they actually may calm damaged nerves. And so they may be possible options for neuropathic pain that we talked about earlier. And some pain medicines are big combinations of different drugs. Percocet, for example, is Tylenol and oxycodone, which is an opioid. Some are used alternatively during the day. In other words, an NSAID might be prescribed between doses of an opioid in order to get a longer effect from the stronger drug. Now, most of these drugs, again, are by prescription only. It's going to be very unlikely you'll be able to stockpile any large amounts of them. But I think that at the very least, you should stockpile the non-prescription versions. If you have enough, you might be able to use some for bartering purposes. If people don't have pain medicine and they have pain, well, it might be worth it for them to barter with you to get some of the large number of of NSAIDs or other kinds of non-prescription pain relievers that you've put away. Not a bad strategy. you got to think about it. And don't forget to store them in cool, dry, dark places so that they retain their potency. It's important to know that if a survival setting lasts long enough, you are going to run out of even stockpiled drugs. So it's important to know what there might be in your environment that might give you the same effect. You might wonder, what could possibly help me that's going to be just a plant in the ground if I'm in trouble and I need pain relief? Well, here's Nurse Amy. She's going to tell you about a number of different natural substances that might help. First, I just want to make a comment about uh, pain medication. First of all, it can be highly addictive. They're not sure what changes there are in certain human beings that make them more susceptible to becoming addicted to the medications, but there are people who can take one or two pills and their body just says, hey, I want more of this and others who can take it for a couple of weeks and drop it like a hot potato and never think of it again. So you don't know what kind of person you are until you take this medicine. So always be really careful about pain medicine and make sure that somebody knows you're taking it. So if you continue or you feel that you have got to stay on this medicine, even though your doctor says, hey, uh, you shouldn't be having this pain anymore. You're you're recovered. You should be feeling better. You have an outside person, somebody who's your advocate, your patient advocate, that you can go to and say, listen, I, I don't know what's happening. Maybe I need a little help here. It doesn't mean you're going to a drug addiction place, but it means that somebody's looking over your shoulder and making sure that this doesn't happen. And it certainly doesn't continue because that's a road that people who go down, it just it winds up almost always being really, really bad. Divorces, loss of children, bankruptcy, losing your home. I mean, it just really, really bad stuff. So have somebody be aware that you are taking medicine and and keep an eye on you, for you as an advocate. The second thing is 
when you take some of these combined medicines, they may be combined with the NSAID that you're taking. So there are medicines that are pain medicines mixed with ibuprofen. And so if you alternate, alternate taking the pain medicine that has ibuprofen with a significantly high dose of ibuprofen, maybe an 800 milligram, which is a typical prescription dose of ibuprofen, you may be unaware that your 24-hour dose of ibuprofen is way over the top. You think to yourself, gee, I'm not taking that terrible pain medicine. I'm only taking ibuprofen in between. But what you're doing is possibly causing an overdose of that that second medicine, that, that mixed medicine. So there are people, and myself included, who have had allergic reactions due to an overdose of ibuprofen thinking that, gee, I had surgery, but I don't really like to take medicine. I personally don't like to take medicine, especially in any pain medicine ever. But so I took ibuprofen. Well, I ended up with my tongue swelling up and I couldn't speak. And it was very scary. And thankfully, I was a nurse. I, instead of going straight to the emergency room, I actually called the doctor and I said, I don't know what's happening. And I'm speaking like that because that's how swollen my tongue was. My doctor could barely understand me over the phone. He says, go to the emergency room. And I had to go to the emergency room. And it was not a pain medicine overdose. It was actually an ibuprofen overdose. So... Even when you think you're trying, you're doing the right thing or trying to do the right thing by not taking all the pain medicine, you could hurt yourself. So be aware of exactly what's in your medicine at what dosage. Don't just say, oh, well, here's a name, so it must only be the pain medicine. They have funky names, little changes at the end of them, and it indicates that they're mixed with somebody, something and if you take that medicine in between, you could cause an overdose. So a couple of warnings there. Some people are more susceptible to addiction. And some people, when you're not trying to take too much pain medicine, actually can harm yourself by taking the, the second medicine that's mixed with the pain medicine. And then having a problem with that one, too. So, oh. I hope no one ever gets hurt out there and no one ever has to take pain medicine um, because it's just a whole ball of wax and it can be bad. But let's talk about some natural. Everyone should think about having alternatives to our pills, alternatives to our prescriptions if possible, um, alternatives to um, different types of, of treatments even of gauze, a simple white 100% cotton sheet can make a whole lot of different kinds of gauzes. It can make um, a sling, it can hold on splints, it can cover up wounds, you can boil it and wash them and reuse them, you can autoclave them, you can put them in your pressure cooker to even get them um, as close to sterile as possible. So think of alternatives. And one of the things you need to think of alternatives for is issues with pain. We're not always going to have tablets if we have a long-term problem. 
And so what's out there in nature? You know, you may not have the Tylenol and the Advil or, you know, eventually they might go bad too. Even if you've got a bunch of them, they're not going to go, okay, they're not going to go bad. They're not going to kill you. They're not going to turn poisonous. They're going to lose effectiveness. That's what I mean by saying they're going to go bad. Really, truly, (laughs) they're not going to go bad. They're just going to lose effectiveness. So that's what you need to understand. Uh, So we're we're just not going to be making these anymore. Maybe the store isn't carrying them. Maybe there are no stores. Maybe the manufacturer doesn't exist anymore. We, We don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. And anyone who tells you that they have a crystal ball is full of it, <laughs> to tell you the truth. I love these, oh, the world's going to end on this day, or the world's going to end on that day at this particular time. If anyone says that to you, um, you need to just smile and walk away, because there's no need to get in an argument, because they fully believe that. Um, but we don't know. We don't even know who's going to be president. <laughs> we, we don't know what the stock market's going to do next Monday. Um, we don't know how our carbon dioxide level is going to be uh, 20 years from now, despite all of the people who think it's going to be at so-and-so level. You know, they predicted stuff 20 years ago, and um, it's it didn't completely come true. So nobody has the crystal ball. So what do you do? Do some research on herbal remedies. Um, it's not an easy thing. You have got to weed through the sites that are selling this stuff. If you go to a website that's selling essential oils or selling seeds for medicinal um, herbs or selling plants, they may oversell the potential effectiveness and number of illnesses that this particular product may heal. And I see this all the time. And I I hate to call it, but the, there's a lot of snake oil salesmen out there, folks, to tell you the truth. They, oh, I've got this product. And I see it when I go to these expos, too. Sometimes I say something. Sometimes I, I smile. You guys know that if anybody's met me that I'm straight up honest. I'm just going to tell you like it is. Unless I really think you're absolutely off your rocker. And I haven't met people that have come to my booth like that, but I've seen people selling stuff who say, this will cure everything from your swollen ankles to um, your hangnail to your eyesight, cleanse your liver and cure your cancer. And I'm like, really? Okay. Wow. I guess we just don't need medicine anymore. Maybe we should close the hospitals down. (laughs) There's nothing out there that cures everything. So when we talk about herbal medicine, let's also understand that we're all different. As much as we are alike, we're all different. We metabolize things a little differently. My liver might clear something faster than your liver. My kidneys might filter a little more efficiently than yours. My stomach might digest food slower than your stomach digests food. So we're not exactly the same, which means the plants 
that we use to cure our illnesses are not always going to work the same for me as they work for you. And also things that you apply on your skin. Some people absorb things much quicker and faster. Others, you know, it kind of sits there and you're saying, well, it should have absorbed, but it didn't. So I'm going to get a different dose if I don't absorb completely or as fast as if you have put on a salve or an essential oil. And also it depends on where you're putting it on. Are you putting it at the bottom of your feet? Are you putting it on the back of your neck? You know, we, there's different absorption rates. Our mouth, inside our mouth, which I'm not telling you to put essential oils in, in your mouth for the most part. Maybe a little clove oil on a, a sore tooth. But our mouth is an amazing absorption. So, and again, everyone's a little bit different. So you got to research you got to weed through. you got to think about what these people are selling. And I have a lot of books that I really like. In fact, I have one sitting right in front of me. It's, I think, one of the first ones I got. And I have to say that I, I really, really trust this book here. It's by Natural Health, Encyclopedia of Herbal Medicine, the definitive reference to 550 herbs and remedies for common ailments. By Andrew Chevalier, and it's C H E V A L L I E R. There may be an updated version of this. This is one, there's a second one that I really love that is not sitting in front of me right now. Nope, don't see it. Um, so get, get some good books and get books from people that don't have a website where. They were selling these things before they wrote a book. And I know you're saying, oh, well, Amy, you wrote a book. Yes, but we wrote a book because we had a blog for years. And basically, our providing you that book is to give you what's on the website. There's nothing, folks, in our books that isn't on our website. You are physically buying our website. Except you can now open a page if you don't have the internet. And if you're away from home, you don't have internet, it is a resource. It will be a resource that can sit on the shelf for your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. There's not going to be a lot of changes in that because we don't use modern medical um, techniques. For the most part, all of these things are, are proven. They've been done for a long time. Wound care, cleansing. Uh, dressing, covering a wound, and a whole lot more. Well, we're going to talk about Zika in a little bit, and I'm running out of time. So I'm going to get started, and I know I'm not going to finish, so we'll have to do a part two of natural pain remedies. So it's also important to exercise caution. I know I spent the first part of this talking to you about people being addicted and taking too much and all of those issues, but People need to understand that herbs have side effects, okay? And they can have negatives also. And, and they can mix with other medicine. Somebody was talking about on a YouTube channel, one of the comments, about getting off of a few pain medicines that she was taking. Actually, it was on Facebook. Anyway, um, she asked about this pain tincture that I have in our family bag. 
And it's now, instead of called Pain Away, it's now called Meadowsweet Blend. It's by Inner Health. <clears throat> so I looked up what she was taking, and I looked up that medicine or that herb, and, you know, it can potentiate pain medicine. Potentiate means it can make your prescription medicine work much stronger. Well, that's bad. You you don't want to be in a coma and, you know, you don't want to die because you added an herb and you were taking pain medicine. What she was trying to do is kind of, I think she was trying to cross over to herbs. But when you start combining herbal medicine and prescription medicine, you can run into some issues because there are a lot of them that I know make your blood sugar lower and if you're already on a medicine that's making your blood sugar lower like metformin it can potentiate it it can make it work stronger so and there's things herbs that lower your blood pressure naturally but if you're on a blood pressure medicine and your blood pressure is good on the medicine now you're going to make it possibly too low so you you've got to be careful You can't just say, oh, I'm going to do it all. If I do it all, then it works. More is not better. It's like baking a cake. Just because you put more salt in or more flour or more eggs doesn't make the cake come out better. It's going to ruin it. So you've got to watch out what ingredients you're putting into your body. You could have unwanted side effects. You could have allergic reactions. People, Some people are allergic to herbs. There's a lot of things that that. If you breathe, you have hay fever. Some people are allergic to certain flowers, certain times of the year when things are are pollinating. So, you know, these might be some of the plants that you're suddenly going to start ingesting or rubbing on your skin, and you might have issues. So don't think that just because something is grown in the ground means it's perfectly safe for you. And there's also a lot of dangerous plants. You know, the purple coneflower will give you problems with your heart. You, you know, if you take too much of that, it could kill you. Um, so it's important to know that you can't be certain of the amount of pain relief that you're going to experience with a certain herb. And it's going to depend on a number of factors. And speaking of the plant, it's going to depend on where the plant was grown in harvest. The soil conditions, the weather conditions, the amount of rain the time of year it was harvested, and sometimes even the time of day it was harvest, harvested. So what part of the plant was used and other factors come into play. It's almost like the quality of wine and how that differs from year to year or from grape to grape or like we talked about from person to person. So let's discuss a few of those alternatives. Capsation uh, is an ingredient in chili peppers. Which, by the way, some people can be allergic to. So, again, it's not not everyone can use everything. It works by decreasing pain sensation. It deactivates the nerve receptors in the skin. Now, this doesn't mean you go out and grab a Tabasco pepper and you smash it up and you rub it on your skin. That's going to hurt like heck. We're talking about a very small amount in a salve, sometimes they're in a gel. They even have um, capsation extracts, which, by the way, really burn your mouth. They are, um, it can be exceptionally helpful for headaches, 
muscle aches, um, arthritis sufferers, and um, those with neuropathic pain, which Dr. Bones discussed a little bit ago, the most pain relief occurs after using a capsation ointment for a month or so. Commercial capsation can easily be found on the internet. We'll be posting an article on how to make your own salves and ointments in the near future. Capsation puts the heat in hot peppers. It manipulates the body's pain status by hindering pain perception, triggering the release of pain-relieving endorphins and providing an analgesic action. When using topical capsation products, be sure to avoid touching your eyes or other sensitive areas, and that includes if you have made your own salve and you have touched these peppers. I have literally just picked peppers off the plant and a couple hours later touched my eye and woo, it was still there. So be careful if you're picking your own peppers. Capsation can also be taken internally to help with chronic digestive discomfort. A daily dose of 0.5 to 1 grams cayenne divided and taken before meals reduces pain, bloating, and nausea over a few weeks. If you like to munch on hot peppers, ow, rest assured they do not aggravate stomach ulcers as is commonly believed and they might actually protect your stomach from prescription drug damage. Salicin. Salicin is the original ingredient in the first pharmaceutical, aspirin, and has been manufactured since the 19th century. It's found in the bark of willow, aspen, and poplar trees. Salicin can give pain relief by chewing on the strips of the underbark, not the outer bark, and by making a tea. Like aspirin, salicin will help reduce fever as well. Devil's Claw is a South American herb with medicinally active roots. This herb eases muscle tension and pain in the back, neck, and shoulders. A popular treatment for osteoarthritic pain, it may ease rheumatoid arthritic pain as well. The herb's active ingredients are harpagide and harpagidoside. <laughs> That's funny. Both of these are analgesic and anti-inflammatory. Devil's Claw Extract has been shown to reduce osteoarthritic hip or knee pain by 25% and improve mobility within a few weeks. Rheumatoid arthritic pain may also be reduced and mobility enhanced within about two months. Devil's Claw Extract is considered safe at the typical dosage of 750 milligrams, containing 3% glycosides taken three times daily. It's also available as a tincture. Use one teaspoon up to three times daily and a tea. It should not be taken with blood thinning medicines and may not be safe during pregnancy or for young children, nursing mothers, and individuals with liver or kidney disease or digestive system ulcers. We'll get back to the natural remedies for pain next week on our show, Survival Medicine Hour with Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Now we're going to talk about Zika for a little while. Every day, more news about Rio's woes, and I mean Rio de Janeiro, regarding the upcoming Olympics is published online. It's become clear that going to the games as an athlete or even a spectator just might be hazardous to your health. The dangers include a raging Zika epidemic, water contamination, air pollution, and security concerns, as if that wasn't enough already. 
Despite the calls to cancel the Olympics for these reasons, Brazil and the International Olympic Committee say the show must go on. What precautions then should be taken by the competitors and tourists to stay safe and healthy? Well, let's discuss it. Topic number one, Zika virus. We've not done with that yet. Nope. Oh, boy, it's here now. That's right. As the CDC learns more about the Zika virus, obviously a mutated version of the original, there are more and more concerns. More species of mosquitoes that might carry it, more types of sexual activity that could spread it, and the unknown long-term developmental effects on infected infants, even those that are born appearing normal. Athletes and tourists should, I'm going to give you a list, stay indoors whenever possible, use mosquito repellent whenever outside or in areas without screens, which is pretty much most of the houses. In Rio de Janeiro, yeah. yeah, It's true. Avoid areas with standing water, wear long pants and sleeves, treat clothing with permethrin, a long-lasting pesticide, use pesticide-treated bed netting if not staying in air-conditioned hotels, and use condoms, which are standard issue for this year's athletes, or even better yet, abstain from sex. And I heard where they have 450,000 male and female combined condoms wow. for, for everyone. <laughs> that sounds like so uh, they're a, a little worried. A pretty big party there going uh-uh. on. <laughs> well, that is amazing. Uh, You know that Zika virus isn't the only disease to worry about over there. Uh, There is a lot of infections that visitors to Brazil should be concerned about. There's malaria, there's yellow fever, there's hepatitis A, hepatitis B, dengue fever, even typhoid fever. These are some of the other diseases that are found in the region. Do they still have chikungunya going on, or is that... And probably that, too. <laughs> I was going to say, and the list goes on. Right. Chikungunya was an epidemic that occurred in 2015. It right. seems like there's a new pandemic infection every year, Ebola in 2014, <sighs> chikungunya in 2015, now Zika virus. Yeah. Now, some of these viruses and other diseases are spread by mosquitoes. Others are spread by food and water contamination, and some of them by, as we mentioned before, sexual activity. You can say and or. That's right. (laughs) There you go. Vaccines exist for a number of these issues, like hepatitis and yellow fever. They do have vaccines. Others can be prevented by medications, like malaria. There are several different medications that you can take as a preventative. Mm -hmm. And every athlete and visitor to Rio should contact their physician to see what precautions are appropriate for the trip. Water is also a big issue, too. The waters of Guanabara Bay and other venues for the sailors, kayakers, canoers, open water swimmers, all Olympic events, these waters are notoriously filthy due to raw sewage that's constantly being released into them. There are bacterial counts, viral counts that are performed by researchers, and a study commissioned by the Associated Press found quantities that might be considered a natural disaster in the U.S. The adjective used for the amount of viruses was astronomical. That's a pretty impressive adjective. As a matter of fact, the viral count in one area was 1.7 million times what it should be. That is insane. That is insane. That is insane. Insane, how that's they, another adjective that would work well get, with this. get that much in there? You know, I think it is. I think their shore water is half salt water and half yuck. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You just take salt water and then take 
sewage, sewage and, trash and, and, and bacteria and viruses and, and dead bodies. They had a dead body wash up not too long ago on the beach. And just take, you know, just all the yuck and then just mix them 50-50 and that's probably what you have. Although there might be more yuck than there is actual salt water there. And I would believe that. Well, you know, the old saying, don't drink the water, it goes double or triple maybe for your trip to the games in Rio de Janeiro. It's thought that drinking just three teaspoons of the water there has a 99% chance of causing some type of infection. Now, the water you're talking about is the one that's coming out of the tap. Well, We're not I'm, even talking about swallowing the seawater, right? Well, the seawater is also is the worst. It is the worst, yes. They, uh, but 51, I don't think the tap water is much better. Only 51% of the water, even the drinking water, is treated in Rio de Janeiro. So, oh, so it's pretty yuck, bad, pretty bad. <laughs> There's a doctor named Valerie Hardwood of the uh, Department of Integrative Biology at the University of South Florida. She goes as far as to say, whatever you do, don't put your head underwater. The germs that they have in the water include rotavirus, which is the most common cause of gastroenteritis, intestinal infections. And in last year's junior rowing championships, a dozen U.S. team members actually got sick just by getting some water in, in their mouths. There's also adenovirus in the water, which causes respiratory infections. Now, this year's team is going to be protected with a newly designed antimicrobial training suit. But if you're just an average tourist at the beach, you're not going to have that. And unfortunately, even the wet sand is going to have high levels of microbes. Whatever you do, drink only bottled water. And if you're going into the water, put that bottle in a plastic bag first. The outside of the bottle could easily become contaminated if it becomes wet. Have hand sanitizers available and wash wet clothing. Don't forget to use bottled water when brushing your teeth, too. Ask for your drinks with no ice. That's very, very important, by the way. There is all sorts of way to get bad water into your system that you wouldn't even think about. I don't think I'd want to eat or drink there. I, th I would bring a suitcase full of bottled water and a suitcase full of MREs. Yeah, some Olympic athletes are actually bringing a suitcase full of power bars and things like that. That's, that's well, they're going to eat over I'm there. telling you, it's... I'd bring MREs and something that I don't have to mix with water for sure. Now, the and... air quality is an issue too, right? Yes, air quality. Now, the air quality in Rio isn't quite as bad as it was in the Beijing Summer Games, and we know how bad that was. But it's still unacceptable by U.S. standards and much worse than any other Olympics. Particulate matter from the many vehicles in the city is often at dangerously high levels and responsible for more deaths there than the water right. that it's we were just discussing. responsible for more deaths than homicides there, than AIDS there, than all sorts of other Any diseases, heart attacks, issues. cancer. Right. My gosh. Don't breathe the air. Now you're not supposed to breathe. Don't drink, don't breathe, don't eat, okay? <laughs> We're not doing so well. When you're not in an air-conditioned building, you might consider wearing a face mask to avoid the pollutants. If you're a Westerner, you might not be accustomed to this practice, but it's really common in many Asian countries. It's it, actually considered a sign yeah, of social responsibility. Exactly. If you place. see large groups of Asian uh, tourists, you'll probably find at least a few of them are wearing masks uh, while they're walking around. That's right. Security issues. Let's talk about those. A striking scene recently greeted arrivals at Rio's airport. A group of law enforcement officers 
with a sign that read, Welcome to Hell! Whoever comes to Rio de Janeiro will not be safe. Ooh. Indeed, Rio de, I know. <laughs> Indeed, Rio de Janeiro is a hotbed of crime with entire favelas, which are low-income neighborhoods, completely under the control of organized gangs. Brazil's financial woes have caused funding problems for local police, although the city says that it's added much more security for the games. Did you catch my sarcasm there? Uh, just a little, yeah. <laughs> so I don't believe it. Dis- <laughs> despite this, be situationally aware. That means keeping an eye on unusual activity or individuals not acting normal. You might consider carrying a small flashlight. Some have a strobe function that emits a bright flashing light, which just might discourage the opportunistic criminal, hopefully. In any case, have a plan of action in case of trouble. The CDC recommends, among other things, that you, one, avoid travel at night, two, Keep your hotel room locked. Three, don't wear fine jewelry. You don't want to look look like that victim. Four, avoid risky areas. Five, always travel with a companion. Very important. And six, carry copies but not originals of important documents when you travel outside. Well, are you still going to the Olympics? Well, if you do, I think that you'll never have to prove your courage in any other way. But you know what? With a few precautions and a little common sense, you can stay healthy and safe. You just have to make sure that you are prepared. Preparation is the key and always be situationally aware. Absolutely. That's all we got for this week. You've been listening to the Survival Medicine Hour with Joe and Amy Alton, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Next week, we're going to be doing natural pain relief so don't miss part it. Two. Part two. Wow. Part two. Part two. Amy has a lot of information on oh, that. Oh, and also we're going to love it. Yeah, we got some cool stuff about crazy immune lice. That's right. Super lice in 48 states now. Yikes. You need to know about it. You know what? Tune... I mean, what I say? Yikes yep. about Tune... the lice. That's right. Tune in next week. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. To contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week.